Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning friendly saunterers. We are sauntering again on a misty Tuesday and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we are so thankful to you for Jesus. We're so thankful to you for the Holy Spirit and we just welcome you into our hearts and our lives again today. And we just say, God, speak to us. Lord, you have so much you want to say to us. Open our eyes and let us see revelation today in these words of scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Fliss. Uh, so we're on Genesis chapter 49 and we have the we've come to the part of the story where Jacob is about to die. This kind of last few chapters has been quite drawn out, hasn't it? Good morning, Ruth and Chris and Fran and Buenos Dias Flor. And now he's gathered all his sons together. And again, it just strikes me that when he left um when he left his brother Esau back right at the beginning of the story and he was running for his life and Esau's kind of threatened to kill him. Um, as he runs for his life, he's literally got nothing. He has got, although he's managed to steal the birthright, he doesn't have any of that. He's literally running in the clothes he has on his back. And now he's got all these sons and they're gathering to him and he's kind of doing his patriarchal thing and blessing them. And we talked a bit yesterday about how powerful the words of blessing are. Now, what we're going to see now is a little bit of a crossover. And um, Jacob is more, it seems he's more prophesying because some of the things he says, you could hardly say they're a blessing, um, but they are certainly an accurate prophecy of what will come about. And this guy, Jacob, had learned to walk with God. He'd learned to be um, obedient to God eventually and stop scheming and stuff and he he is a prophet good morning Jonathan and so verse one it says and Jacob called his sons and said gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come so he's framing it as a prophecy and he's there and he's confident enough to say listen guys what I'm about to tell you is going to happen. <laughs> so that's pretty confident, isn't it? And um, so he says, assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. Good morning, Deepak and Wills. Um, assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob or sons of Israel, listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. 
and we're getting ready. This is good. This is good. He's setting us up. This is Reuben, the firstborn. And he's kind of saying, listen, you had my best. You are the you are my firstborn son. You are preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. You were the kind of from the strongest point of my life. You were brought forth. But then he goes on to say, unstable as water. I mean, what a profound simile he's kind of bringing in there. Unstable as water. <laughs> he's not saying you're wet. He's just saying, you, you poor. If anyone tried to walk on you, unless they were Jesus, they'd sink. And he says, you're unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence. So although by birth, this would have been expected to come to Reuben. Jacob saying, no, you are unreliable. You are unstable. You are not going to have preeminence. Wow. This is the dad prophesying over his adult sons. I mean, goodness, I don't know how old Reuben must be, but he's probably older than I am now. And he's saying, you're not going to be known as the preeminent one in this family. And listen to this. Because you went up to your father's bed then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. It's almost like he's saying to the others, he went up to my couch. We can imagine, <laughs> he went up to my couch. And it's like, can you believe it? This son of the patriarch is guilty of incest to, and, oh my goodness, awful sin against his father's wife. Um, and it was Bilhah, I think, who he went to. And that was in Genesis chapter 35. We did cover that in the preceding chapter. And so he says, no way. This preeminence thing, skipping you by, son. Then he goes on to Simeon. He says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence in are their swords. Let my soul not come into their counsel. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. And he's saying, oh, guys, you know, again, you're violent. You're angry men. You're not. I'm, I wouldn't want my glory to come onto you. I wouldn't want the glory of the nation of Israel to rest on your shoulders. I don't want to impart. Kabaud is the Hebrew word for glory. It's also to do with esteem and weight and significance. And he's saying, I don't want the weight of my reputation resting on your shoulders. He says, oh, my glory, the glory that God has given me. I don't want that resting on you. And he says, let my soul not come into the account. He said, I wouldn't even discuss something with you because I don't trust your judgment. You're not the kind of people that I want to think about ideas with because you're not safe. And so he says, weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul not come into their counsel. Oh, my glory, be not joined to them. For in their anger, they killed men. And in their willfulness, they hamstrung offer. Oh, sorry, oxen. They hamstrung oxen. That's the most brutal thing to do to an animal. He's literally cut the tendon that links the big hamstring muscle to the, the back uh, it's like the hock, I think it's called. And it's like the back leg elbow. It's really the ankle bone. And they cut it with a sword. It just means the animal can't move. It's completely crippled and will die a slow, miserable death. And it's just brutal. And and they this is what, what Jacob's referring to is the time when um, Simeon and Levi did a kind of deceptive um, plot against the 
the men of Shechem and ended up massacring the whole lot just after they'd had them circum they'd been circumcised in the hope that Shechem, the prince, would be able to marry Dinah, their sister. Anyway, you can read that story as well. I've forgotten which chapter, but it's in there if you've missed it. And he says, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And so these two, they lost their specific inheritance. Interestingly, however, Levi becomes the father of the Levites and the Levitical priesthood um, that follows on. And this was to do with their zeal for God in the kind of events of the golden calf saga. And they they say, God is saying, um, sorry, Jacob is saying you're going to be scattered, but actually God nonetheless picked up Levi, redeemed his reputation and the fact that he was scattered throughout the nation. They were there as priests and Levites and kind of full-time servants of God, and they became God's own possession in a very special way. So it's quite an quite an incredible turnaround for them. But we don't hear so much about Simeon, it seems as if he, his moment has gone. Anyway, so there's an important lesson here. Uh, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Good morning, Raymond. It says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go. You know, it's like, don't get the sun go down on your wrath. Don't get, it's that, this thing of, there is a thing that we refer to as righteous anger, but sometimes I think it's just our excuse for ventilating and and. And this this anger, Jacob says, this is not the kind of character we need in senior leadership to head up the nation, to be the head of the nation of Israel. Again, guys, disqualified. It's a no from me. And so verse eight says Judah. Now we're on to Judah. Well, we know the name Judah. It means praise and it means strength. He says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Oh, here we go. This is a bit more positive. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. So that what he's doing, he's conferring this firstborn kind of thing onto um, this firstborn privileges and position and respect and honor and glory onto Judah. He's saying, your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion. And as a lioness, who dares rouse him? And now we're going to come on to this incredible verse that we looked at last winter leading up to Christmas when we did the the saunter lead the saunter to the stable and we looked at all the uh, a number of really significant messianic prophecies listen wells at this moment in time i haven't got a plan okay i'm just going to finish genesis genesis and then we'll take it from there is that all right and i will post and let everyone know if I, when i'm sauntering again um, but don't worry about it <laughs> it'll be good but in the meantime, if you've missed some, there's loads on YouTube. You can catch up. You could be listening to Saunders every single day of this year if you want. There's enough in the bag. Good morning, Chris. Um, so where are we? Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. 
He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? And he, he's painting this picture of the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is, of course, the, one of the names of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's saying, Judah, you're like a lion. You're powerful, and you're, you know, no one's going to mess with you, son. Then verse 10, he says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. Or some translations say until Shiloh comes or what is due to him comes. It's kind of a difficult word that seems to be translated tribute or what is due, what is owing to him. And so listen to this, the scepter, that's the symbol of rule and authority, the scepter of his kingdom. It's like this scepter, the rule and the authority and the kingship is talking about kingship is not going to depart from Judah. Of course, this is many years before they had a king. This is like probably four or five hundred years before they even had a king. But this is prophetic. Remember, Jacob, Israel is prophesying over his sons, this destiny. And he's saying, listen, son, Judah, the scepter, the royalty, the kingship is not going to depart from between your feet uh, or the ruler's staff is not going to depart from between your feet until tribute, until it's all kind of wrapped up and everything that is owing to him, everything that is due to him comes to him. Right. Well, we know that this this king that comes from the tribe of Judah is Jesus. And what is owing to him? What is due to him? Well, God is promised. He says, sit uh, sit in my right hand until I make all the nations a footstool for your feet. In Ephesians, uh, oh, I've forgotten which chapter. In Ephesians, it says that his plan was to bring everything under one head, even Christ. And so this, um, this king that is going to come from the loins, from the lineage of Judah, is going to sit at the right hand of God. The scepter is never going to depart from him until everything that is coming to him comes to him. And all the nations are a footstool for his feet. So he's over every single nation. And as Paul says, until God brings everything under one head, even Christ, even the Messiah, even the Christed one. And so here we go. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor I'm excited about this verse, if you can tell. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of all the peoples. Wow, that's like the whole earth. Every single human being will become obedient to Jesus Christ, either voluntarily or at the last day when they've lived in rebellion against him for the rest for you know those who have lived in rebellion against him throughout their lives will have to still bow the knee and surrender to him anyway it goes on to talk about judah he says binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine again this is full of references to jesus if not directly they're kind of in there aren't they if we know the bible this verse these verses are turbocharged with meaning he says binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt excuse me to the choice vine he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes well 
this is uh, let's read let's read the next verse and his eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk while we did saunter through the song of songs we can see references to the beloved to the or to the lover there where it talks about his eyes are dark and his teeth are white whiter than milk these are pictures that speak of Jesus as the lover the one who is out there seeking his bride from the nations of the earth but also we've got this sense of Jesus going into Jerusalem on a donkey and it was the cult of a donkey it wasn't even an actual grown-up donkey it was a young one and then he's washed his garments in wine his vesture in the blood of grapes it's that same that one that I think is in Ezekiel where he says who is this coming up from Bosra and he's clothes are red like he's trodden the wine press alone the grapes you know and all this kind of stuff and this is all in there these references are all in there hidden away or kind of lurking for us to have a little look at and so what he's saying is coming from you Judah is going to be the redeemer the one who is the lover the one who is beautiful and lovely and more to be desired than gold much fine gold and all that stuff anyway whoa Verse 13, Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall be at Sidon. Well, that's OK. We can live with that. Issachar is a strong donkey. <laughs> anyway, we won't say too much about that. Crouching between the sheepfolds, he saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labour again some sort of stuff that if you look at the history of Issachar you can see fulfillment of these prophecies Dan shall judge his people well the judge Samson came from the tribe of Dan interestingly he judged Israel for like 40 years or something Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel Dan shall be a serpent in the way a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that the rider falls backwards let's stop there Dan apparently became a, a tribe that was associated with idolatry and at times introduced it into the culture of the nation of Israel again. And in the times of certain kings, there were lots of there was lots of um, worship of golden calves like the one that they'd made in the wilderness. They revived that old deception and started bowing down to these blinking calves and. <clears throat> So Dan was where this all happened and so on. And then he says, then verse 18 is lovely. It's like he's pausing for breath. He says, I wait. I waited. I wait for your salvation. Could be continuous present tense or it could be past tense. I waited. I wait for your salvation. Oh, Lord, now salvation. The word there is Yeshua, which is obviously the name we translate as Jesus this is really cool. He says, I wait for your Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord, come on. This is Jacob. This is many, 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 many years before even David, you know, and so on. But this is so prophetic. Verse 19, raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Gad means um, I will triumph again or I finally triumphed or something. And it means that he will triumph in the end. Verse 20, Asher's food shall be rich and he shall yield royal delicacies. So I don't know if Asher kind of became the father or, or his his little tribe became known for incredible cuisine. Who knows? 
Um, Naphtali is like a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns, and apparently the land of Naphtali is all around um, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus conducted most of his preaching and teaching. And so um, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus was there bringing that beautiful word that set the captives free in that region of Naphtali. Um, Joseph, now we're coming on to Joseph. We've been hearing a lot about Brother Joe, and here we are now. Joseph is a fruitful bough or branch, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers attacked, bitterly attacked him, shot at him and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile or his arms were made strong by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. Let's just pause there a second. So he's saying, Joseph, oh, Joseph, you, you're like this vine that's not been limited to its kind of place of origin, but you've grown and you've spread over the wall. And oh, look, here you are in Egypt and you're bearing all this incredible fruit. And even though these archers attacked you bitterly. They were miserable. Your brothers were mean to you. They were proper rotten. <laughs> and they shot at him, harassed him severely. They sniped at him with their words, didn't they? And then the opportunity came and they took it to sell him off into slavery. We know the story. We're just at the other end of it now. And Jacob is marvelling at this process that's happened in his son, Joseph. And he says, yet... And this is the key for us, I think, in the story of Joseph. Yet his bow remained unmoved. It's like he remained like a bow, strung, ready for action. And even though he was in these dire situations, it didn't change him. He, he remained ready for action right until that point where he stands in front of Pharaoh and boom, he's ready. And what an incredible story. I, I really think this is just such a timely word for so many people, including me, that even when things are not going the way we wish they would and think everything seems to be against us, we need to just keep ready and like a bow strung, ready for that moment where God puts his arrow in, knocks it in and pulls us back and lets us go, boom, and we're ready. So on target. So he says, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile and, and everything Joseph did, the Lord prospered. Every situation Joseph was in, God prospered, prospered him in it. It said the Lord was with Joseph. And so even when he was stewarding for Potiphar and he was kind of serving in the household and he was like here go-to guy in the house of Potiphar or in the prison and he's doing things with his hands and he's organizing and he's lining people up and getting stuff done his arms were made agile he could he was swift to get to these tasks because and listen to this his arms were made agile by the hands get this of the mighty one of Jacob right now Jacob this is Jacob talking. This is him, the dad, the patriarch talking. And he's saying they were made they were made agile by the hands. So when you were moving your hands, Joseph, God's hands were on them and it was him moving you. But this isn't just any old God. 
This is the mighty one of Jacob. Now, Jacob is giving God a name that we haven't heard before, the mighty one of Jacob. He used to call him the God of my father Abraham and the fear of Isaac, didn't he? That's what he said, the God of my father Abraham and the fear of Isaac. He's changed his reference to God and he's saying God is the mighty one of Jacob. This is my God. This is my personal God. This is the mighty one of Jacob. And we hear of him now in the Psalms referred to as the mighty one of Jacob and in the book of Isaiah, the same name. So this name that was coined, phrase that was coined by Jacob, the twister whose name became Israel, is now able to say, do you know what? This is the mighty one of Jacob. This God who's looked after you, son, is the same one who's looked after me. He's the mighty one of Jacob. What a thing to be able to hand on to your children. Uh, oh, my goodness, that, that they would know the mighty one of Paul, the mighty one of Paul and Anna. <laughs> Excuse me. And he says, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Now, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm sorry, getting emotional. We know that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is the shepherd. And yet Jake, Jacob's saying there's a shepherd who's coming from him, from the mighty one of Jacob is coming a shepherd. And he's the stone of Israel. He's the rock that the builders rejected, that Israel even rejected, that the nation of Israel didn't recognise when Jesus came, the stone that the builders rejected. He said, he's coming from this mighty one. He's coming. And then he says, by the almighty who will bless you. So he says, sorry, by the God of your father, that's me who's talking to you, by the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty who will bless you with having with blessings from heaven above. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast, sorry, blessings of the breast, that's an interesting one to think about, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, blessings of your father, the, are be, the, are, I'm not reading this well, am I? Let me try again. By the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the bre breast and of the womb. So he's talking about fertility and productiveness. The breasts are a picture of productivity and the womb, obviously, fertility and stuff like that. Verse 26, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. So he's saying, listen, the blessings I'm giving you are better than even you would have got from my dad. <laughs> this is something. This is a different man. This is a man who's met with God, isn't it? He says, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills, may they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. He was set apart by cruelty and subterfuge, and yet it was God who set him apart in the first place. Then he says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. So not a very nice thing to say about Benjamin either. And then we just have this final remarks about his death and burial. 
All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to him as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. So he doesn't just give one generic word out. He prophesies over each of his sons. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. So he buried Rachel, remember, in Bethlehem. But he's buried Leah in the family mausoleum or whatever it is called. <clears throat> so in the family tomb. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Now, this is such a, I just find it such a moving story because what I love about it is he was not perfect. He never got it right. He never aced it every single time he messed up. He started out scheming. He started out doing all kinds of stuff in his own strength. And then God, in his infinite mercy, meets with him and introduces himself. And then in the end, Jacob passes on this glorious inheritance to his sons the ones who were and even his sons are a mess aren't they a lot of them but there were a few in there who stand out and who became you know the real kind of character of the um, Israelite nation and then from even the Israelite nation has had such a messy checkered history and yet from that origin and from the tribe of Judah comes the Messiah, Jesus. Have an amazing day. May God bless you and shine his glorious face on you in Jesus' name. Amen. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. And, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.